Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. All righty. Today is a Sunday, April 22nd, 2018. It is uh, 7 o'clock on the dot. And uh, this is uh, session four of uh, uh, Communication for Professionals. I almost forgot to name my own program. What's up with that? Uh, <laughs> uh, today's distinction is going to be uh, called, um, today's module is going to be, is called distinctions. And what I mean by distinctions is the distinctions that uh, you're going to want to listen for to be able to communicate in ways that's impossible to misunderstand, communicate in ways that naturally enhance relationships and all the other things that I talked about, uh, you know, at the beginning of the, uh, the sessions. So, um, so that's that. I want to say a few things that uh, we will do a, a roll call, even though I'm going to wait a few minutes because uh, it looks like people are coming on late. And I want to be responsible, let people come in. There was a number of people that said they wasn't going to be on the call, which is okay. I get it. And uh, what else is there? Um, I also want to say that uh, the, the, the likelihood of this going over is like 90%. I'm going to, I'm going to say right now that um, I'm most likely going to go over probably about 15 minutes because there's just so much here. Even if, It's almost as if if I didn't even say anything to y'all or have you like feedback to me, there's just too much stuff going on. So I'm going to say that right this minute. And if you got to leave at uh, 730, I mean at 830, I completely understand it. I respect it. That's fine. Um. The last thing I'm going to say for right this minute is that if you uh, – originally, I was not going to have a session next week, and that was the only week I was going to miss a session. I know I sent it out in the email, even though people may not remember it. But I was going to go to a workshop, and I found out that the workshop around book publishing had been moved from April till October. So I have that that session free now. So what I'm going to do, and I'll let people know, is I'm going to have that be – an informal Q&A session next week. People can be on it. They, you know, I'll record it. You want to be on it, that's fine. If you don't want to be on it, that's fine. I'm going to record it either way. And um, I think the more you bring your own questions, the better off it's going to be. And so uh, that's what's so right this minute. Um, because people are rolling in so late, I am going to um, give this uh, probably ask um, – uh, my friend Heather, who I know is on the call because she's the only one in Southern, Central uh, Colorado. Uh, it's on the phone. Darn it. <laughs> Say it again? <laughs> it's about the only giveaway? Yeah, right this minute. I didn't hear your voice yet, but I saw it pop up. I was like, okay, yay, she's on, yay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my Vanna White, I love that. I swear to God. We love partnership. So, okay. um yeah, so I'm going I'm to wait till about seven, uh, 10 after 7 to give people a little bit of chance because right now there is uh, four, like eight people on the call, and there's like 25 of us, you know what I mean? So it's like one-third. Yeah. It's like, eh, nah, let's just give people a chance. I know about a few people that's not going to be making it, but I know there's going to be more than eight people, so I want to do that. So 
Um, question uh, I have is like, uh, I'd like to hear from uh, uh, two or three of you. Uh, what's uh, how's life been since the last session? What did you learn, get, walk away from, have breakdowns around or have a breakthrough around or something? So I just want to hear a little bit of sharing before we get started. Don't make me call no names, man. I know who's on here. <laughs> All right, Gary, you first, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Don't 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 make me tell tell y'all another one of my most embarrassing moments. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing good since the last week, and we, I had uh, a couple of things with Barb sometimes that we disputed, uh, and we were able to talk through it, so that's working a lot better, so that's something mm-hmm. good coming out of it. So what was that, what, what happened that made it easier for y'all to talk through it? Well, we just tried to apply some things and figure out you know, what she was saying, what I was saying, why we were having a disagreement and pretty well figured it out. So that helped. Okay. I'm in, I'm enrolled in that. That's the, that's the point. Yeah. What you're saying is that somehow you might, you not might be saying it the way I'm about to, but what I'm hearing you say is that you identify that, that each one of you are saying three things at the same time and you're listening for those three things at the same time so that you can understand each other fully. Is that what I'm hearing you say pretty much? Yeah, making sure we know what the other one is saying. And, Love it. You know, to listen better, to figure it out so there's not any disagreement. Yeah. Love it. Could I All say right. something? Yes. This is Barb. Hey, Barb. I, I just want to explain one of the situations because I thought it was a really good one. Um, mm. Sometimes it happens that I am involved in something else and Gary will want to talk to me about something and it's not a good time. Yes. Um, and I'll say, you know, it's not a good time, not now, or sometimes I'm in a worse mood and I'll say something snippy. Um, but I was on my way out, this was last week, um, and he wanted to talk about something that was pretty involved, and he Mm. gets upset when I do that. And then he made a remark like, it's my fault that we're fighting. But I was on my way out, so I got in the car and I started driving, and it was, you know, I was thinking about it and thinking about it, so I called him on the phone, and Mm. I said, you know, we need to talk about this, because... You know, the speaker is kind of responsible for the listener, um, and the listener was not up to listening. So why, you know, why do you take offense at that? Um, Mm. And it's happened so many times, so many times. And we talked it out, and, you know, he was under a totally different impression of, you know, what I was doing, which was on my way out. Um, but the fact remains that he just wanted to talk and he didn't care whether I was up to listening or not. Um, 
So, you know, that was something that we had never really been able to talk through before without having an upset. Mm. Um, so I thought that was really good, you know. I, it's like, for me, when the other person's not listening and they don't even say they're not listening, that's where the upset occurs because I don't know. But I'm actually saying to him, now is not the time for me to listen. Um, Excellent. So, yeah, so it was, I thought it was really good. Excellent. Love it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so there's going to be a time in this, se- in this program later where we're going to talk about different types of conversations. I call it different dialogues. And believe it or not, there's 15 major ones. And if you're in one dialogue and your partner, the person you're speaking with is in another dialogue and they don't know, y'all don't know you're in different dialogues, your communication is going in the toilet. But that's that's down the road. But I'm definitely going to bring it to y'all. So you're uh, ahead of the game but in your share, which is awesome, because you didn't know that's what you were saying, but that's what you were saying. Amazing. So, All right. Uh, I'm, I'm willing to take uh, one more share before we uh, start doing attendance. Uh, anybody from uh, West Coast, maybe, or something? Uh, New York? What? Okay. So um, I get that. I'm not going to get anything. So I'm going to share. I'm going to share something with you right now. Um, uh, one of my most embarrassing moments. <laughs> and if whatever you're thinking is more embarrassing than what I'm about to say, then um, then you feel free, you know, to keep your mouth shut. Otherwise, you should talk. So um, I was on a men's group for seven years, and we was having what we call a division meeting, which all the all the teams in the area uh, was constituted as a division. We was having a meeting in Central Park in one of the more popular areas called a fountain. And there was like 55 of us in a circle, and uh, we had agreed that uh, we was going to greet each other in that circle in front of, you know, probably about 50 to 75 people that was walking around watching us, especially the women. They're like, what's these guys doing? These guys, these guys all together, what are they doing? So they're watching us, right? So we were supposed to greet each other, greet the person next to you, the man to your right, without saying a word. And so, um, you know, we're standing there, and we're uh, greeting each other. Uh, without words, and I'm thinking, what am I going to say to this guy over here to the right? What am I going to say to him? You know, what am I going to do to him? You know, so I was thinking like growling at him or something. You know, I don't know. So um, just before I went to go greet the guy on my right, the guy on my left had to greet me. And again, it's like 75 people looking at us, plus there's 50 people in the group. And he looks at me, he grabs my head, and then he licks my face. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm ready to go home at that point. You know, we all knew each other, so he was completely safe to do that. But this gay guy licks my face in front of like, you know, 100 people. And I'm like, what the hell am I supposed to do about that? I have to admit, that was extremely embarrassing. So the reason I'm sharing that is because if whatever you want to say is not as embarrassing as that, please don't hold back. Okay, y'all? <laughs> <laughs> To this day, I can never forget that. Like, like I, I planted it. I, I, I'm gonna do that. So, again, don't withhold unless your what you got to share is more embarrassing than that. Okay? Yeah. Can we make that as like a 
an, an agreement or something, y'all? Yeah, we can agree. Okay, okay, okay. I'll just take that. All right. So, uh, Heather, would you mind uh, doing um, attendance? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, Amanda Cuertas. She uh, called. Uh, I spoke to her today. She's uh, going to be listening to the recordings, um, so she won't be on tonight. Okay, Andy Swindler, uh, let us know that he will not be. Anita Williams. Angie Days. Barb Ruffini is on the phone, correct? Correct. Okay, Casey McAvoy. Sharon, yes? Yes, I'm here. Esther was a no, correct? Correct. Okay, Gary Camp? Nope. Gary Church is a yes, correct? Here. Okay, Jamie Kistler? Here. Kimberly Wolfson? Lena Clark? She was going to be on but muted us, correct? All right, Kimberly Kimberly is here, by the way. I was on mute. Oh, thank you, Kim. Uh, Lena D'Amour? Yes, I'm here. Thank you. Ling Ma? Yes. I'm here, Leong Ma. Thank you. Yeah, Mark? Yeah. Nope. Maya B was a no. Monique Harper? Yes. Rita Williams? Robin Morgan? Suzanne Paris? Thomas Williamson. Tiffany Adams. Hi. Yes, here. Thank you. And Vita Raymond. Yeah, I'm here. Thank you. Okay. All righty. So I um, am encouraged you folks to reach out to people that's not here that you actually do know. Um, and even if you don't know them, you know, hit them up with a uh, Facebook, you know, messenger or something like that to support them because um, they're going to be, um, if they knew what, what I was going to be talking about today, they're going to be like, oh, man, I really wanted to be here. I promise you. I promise you. It's, it's going to be. So um, with that in mind, uh, I'm just going to get started. Does anybody have anything they want to say before I get started? Let me ask that. All right. Y'all shy people. Okay, no problem. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Today's session is about distinctions. Uh, I'm just going to go into it. And um, so this module is about understanding and being able to track the thoughts and intentions of those you're communicating with so you can completely understand how they communicate uh, be able to communicate with them in ways that naturally enhance relationships and that are impossible to misunderstand this time. And I just want to make sure that I stress that this is one of those this time scenarios. This is not like all the time, but definitely this time, this particular conversation. Because if you remember, this is a conversation by conversation basis. So uh, remember that being able to communicate in ways that are impossible to misunderstand is a conversation-by-conversation phenomenon, not a permanent reality. Nothing is the same 
from one second to the next. So give yourself permission to be ineffective in individual conversations so you can learn from them and use what you learned from those mistakes and make yourself more effective in the future. If you remember last session where I said that people have multiple reasons for every word. Uh, I know it looks like my three people just joined the call. Actually, this is this is Robin. I'm actually rejoining my call drop. Ah, uh, okay. So uh, somebody in South Jersey. Um, was that is that you, um, Robin? South Anita. Jersey. Okay. Okay. Oh, no, Robin. Robin is in LA. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um, all right. So, um, move back here. Um, somebody's got some noise in the background. If you can go on mute. Yay. There you go. You must have heard me thinking. Good. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, if you remember last session, what I said, uh, that people have multiple reasons for every word that comes out of their mouth at all times. What follows are the things for you to listen for when they're speaking to you. To summarize, they're always doing the following, responding to something. So even if they're saying, um, if they say, excuse me, that's because they're responding to a situation that makes them want to actually speak to you for something that you may not have ever talked to them about. So even if they're starting a conversation, the conversation that they're starting is in response to something. So it's always about some reason why they're saying something to you. So the second thing, uh, in, in addition to responding to something, they're also communicating a particular meaning or context, like they want you to hear it the way they mean it. And then the third is to communicate in to produce a particular result. That's going to be a huge part of what we talk about today. The rest of this session is about how to understand and track these things as they're moving through their mind, the other person's mind. So somebody from Southern California just called, just got on. Is that you, Mark? I, no, that's it, me. You know, I'm so sorry. I'm in an area that is like, it keeps cutting me off. So I was calling, oh. if I keep calling back, I apologize. No problem, no problem. I'm just checking. I want to be, you know, responsible, and I want to know who's on the call. So, all right, all right. Sit down. Yeah, please. Um, good. Yeah, yeah, okay, good. All right, so. Um, that's just the introduction to this session here. Um, we're going to talk about four different types of thinking. Four different, yeah, so we're going to talk about. So the first thing I'm going to talk about is something I call the high, your highest aspirations for your life. So the most critical and consistent areas to listen for is the third thing on the list. To communicating to produce a particular result. What result does this person want to want to produce out of all of those things that they're saying? So, uh, the thing you need to be listening for is what is their highest aspirations for their life. So let me explain that. Every person is born with a main way of being happy, like their survival, but then their survival of a particular type. So. When they get that thing or various expressions of that thing, they're at their happiness. They're, excuse me, they're at their happiest. It turns out there are six of those things. Uh, in no particular order, they are making a difference. Entrepreneurship, or another way of saying that is making money. 
Uh, third way is uh, contentment, being content. Uh, for those of y'all old enough to remember, that would look like uh, Archie Bunker in uh, All in the Family. Uh, I'm going to be home, watch TV, and do what I feel like doing here. Right. Uh, adventure. A <laughs> uh, life of adventure. That could be, you, you create your own adventure, but as long as it's an adventure to you, that's the main thing. Parent, parenthood of family. Um, yeah, so parenthood of family uh, is another one. And then spirituality which, you know, could look like you, you're into yoga or, you know, whatever. So I'm going to explain those in detail in a minute. Uh, when you think about what your life would be like if, when it's at its best, where you're most fulfilled, where you're happiness and the most you can, the most you, you can possibly be, this is what I'm uh, pointing to here. So um, in listening to that, does anybody could hear – if they was going to say which one is theirs, um, I'd like to hear uh, uh, a couple of folks say, you know, which one is theirs. I know mine is making a difference. Now, that's my highest aspiration. Like, I'm sorry. This is, yeah. you know, I feel like all of them are. So, like, entrepreneurship, making a difference, uh, family. I feel like yoga, I mean, or spirituality, I feel like they're all there for me. Okay. All right, so if you only could have one and you could have none of the <laughs> others, which one would it be? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, cause that, for me, that's part of my beauty. That's part of my beauty philosophy is having all of those things in balance. If I'm doing one of, you know, the entrepreneurship but not giving enough time to my family or to my spirituality, that's a breakdown. So. Okay. So, this is Robin. Yes. Um, so, I guess I would choose spirituality because yes. when you are in absolute alignment, all of those things come into play. All of those, te- all of those things come into harmony. So, I would choose spirituality um, slash alignment. Okay. All right. Okay, so the rest, of, the rest of y'all are going to hear, I'm going to give you a, a, a brief description of each one of them so you can actually get a more tangible experience of it. So, um, so another way of describing your highest aspirations for your life is to describe it as your, like your life purpose. It's not the same as highest aspirations. So if you're talking to somebody, Whoever's that dog got that background noise, please, you, please. All right. Thank you. Um, so if you were talking to somebody about it, I would say give them the distinction life purpose. Use that in your speaking, even though, like, your highest aspiration for your life is not the same as a life purpose. For people that don't know what we're talking about here and haven't done this course, use that term. That will be clear enough for you and for them, you know. Um, just so that you know the difference between uh, a life purpose is, is that the life purpose is goal-oriented, whereas highest aspirations is experiential as a lifestyle, meaning the greatest way of life they could possibly experience, the greatest style of life. So a person may like all six of these different highest aspirations, but in almost every case, as soon as you introduce them to this concept or shortly afterwards and tell them uh, they can only choose one, that's usually going to be the one they choose. And I want to say with uh, 
with a lean over there on the West Coast is probably making a difference. But that's that's just me. Ah, uh, <laughs> I like that. You're right. I would say I, that, I, too. I would say that, too. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, yeah, yeah. yeah, that would be my guess. And so that's another point is that by um, knowing these and then watching the person you're dealing with, you want to be able to recognize their highest aspiration for their life. And that's going to determine a lot of what comes out of their mouth when they speak. So, um, yeah, so uh, getting back to the topic at hand, the way a person wants to live their life is about living the type of life they'll most enjoy. For example, a person who wants to be content, you know, um, uh, will fight to do as little as possible because they don't want to do anything except chill out and relax. This means that they're likely to be saying things intended to get them out of working hard, working long, or working intensely. And if you have a manager at work who keeps putting pressure on you because he has to work too hard to get you to produce results, he's going to want to fire you because he doesn't want to do the work or get himself or herself fired because you aren't doing the work. This means he or she isn't going to coach, train, or educate you because that's too much work for them, and you're going to be in trouble if you can't figure them out. Does that communicate? Yes. Good. Good. So now, here, a description of the highest, the six highest aspirations and how to distinguish them. So people, so the first one, making a difference. These are the creatives, visionaries, and advocates for change and, and enhancement. They're not looking for promotions, pay raises, or other tokens of credibility. They want to be able to look through someone in the eye and see the difference they made with or for them. They're willing to fight for a cause, keep making suggestions until they get through to someone, and are willing to be wrong, rebel if necessary, and even quit if they're not able to make a difference or be heard. They're not interested in giving people a hard time because they know that's not going to help them make a difference. But if they aren't getting heard, they will fight to get heard. And most, excuse me, in fact, most of the time, that's the only reason they'll want to fight, because if they can't be heard, they can't make a difference, and that is completely unacceptable. So when you see people in your life like that, know that most of your conversations is going to be some way, shape, or form about how to make that happen. Does that make sense? Yes. Great. Yes. I can hear the people who make a difference, they heard that, and they're like, oh, you're talking about me, yay. That's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's me too. That's why I can hear it, you know. So next, entrepreneurship. Uh, these are, in their heart of hearts, empire builders. You'll recognize them by the way they fight for success and or money, operate like they have something to lose, always trying to get promoted, and are actively learning from their job how to do the same thing for themselves because their highest desire is to run their own business. They're willing to be the very demonstration of success, and they won't quit on their desire to be successful ever. They want a life where they can't possibly be controlled by anyone and will not accept anything less. Their, their actions are always going to be about producing results, and they're never going to quit on their goals or themselves. They're about the money. They're about their success. They're about the freedom. 
not quite the same as making a difference, but, you know, they look a lot the same. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool, cool, cool. All right, next. Yes, it does. Awesome. I heard, I heard you, Leon. <laughs> was, was that was that was that you? Being an yes, entrepreneur. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. I put myself back on note. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. But uh, yeah, I you you don't got to answer what I'm about to say, but I, I can hear in your yes <laughs> your connection to that. <laughs> okay. Good. And by the way, you want to be able to hear who people are in their responses, in addition to their responses. Like I just heard Leon be like. Yeah, that, yes, I got it. That was that was me. I mean, he, he didn't say that was me, but I can hear it. You know what I mean? And he acknowledged it. So you'll be able to hear people that way when you start listening for what's really going on with them rather than just their words or worse, waiting for your turn to speak. All right, next. Contentment. People whose life goal is to be content are the poster child of the do-as-little-as-possible portion of the world. Uh, they have no interest in doing anything that's outside their focus on being content. They don't want to work one minute more than necessary. Don't want to spend more than one minute driving, cooking, cleaning, or pretty much anything that keeps them from sitting at home, engaged in their hobbies, sitting with their partner, or any other activities. They won't let that that, um, that won't let them sit back, relax, and enjoy. So they're going to be a no to many things in life. Uh, they're going to be a note to anything to life because they want things to be stable, reliable, and consistent. They're okay with change, but they don't want to be the ones doing it uh, nor having to do anything about it. As long as life is stable and they can go home and watch TV or whatever their hobbies are, they'll be happy. So rather than hobbies, you know, rather than TV, they might be playing video games or maybe they want to go play some sports or something. But whatever it is that they're like, ah, I don't have to do nothing else but have fun, that's their life. So don't expect them to want to make a difference, be adventurous or entrepreneurial, or you'll be bored to death waiting for them to change. Let them be or do whatever is important to them and hope they find strong motivation to stretch their lives and expand their vision of what will make them content. If you do, they may find you and your interest to be one of them. Uh, was that you, Tim, I heard you say, mm? Yep, that was me. <laughs> yeah, and uh, let me see if I could use my mental telepathy to guess why you said that. Um, it's because uh, you're in construction and there's a lot of construction people that just want to be content? Very much so. <laughs> <laughs> How I know that? Oh, man, the rat is on the wall. You read my mind, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you all are noticing that I'm laughing and I'm hearing people. Y'all only give me one-word answers, but I can hear so much inside that one word. I hope y'all are noticing that. Anybody actually noticing that? I am. Yeah. Well, I hope the rest of y'all are because this session is designed to help y'all to figure out how to do the same thing. Yeah, because I was about to say it because I'm learning how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that was three. Contentment. Next. Adventure. A person who loves adventure is someone who will never put up with boredom or a same old, same old lifestyle. They'll feel like being like it's being poisoned. They're being jailed in solitary confinement on an island they'll never be able to get off because they don't have a boat to use to get off and that and don't know how to make one themselves. 
They ain't putting up with that. <laughs> These are the people who are all about fun, but they're not frivolous or irresponsible because they also need their life to work. Otherwise, they won't be able to enjoy it. The type of venture, their type of adventure, it varies from one person to the next. Their version could be parenthood, the law, preaching, or mechanics, but whatever they're into, it has to be something they can learn from, have it be different from day to day, and something that makes them feel uh, like they're growing and evolving. They're open to new ideas, are creative, and honor the creativity of others. If they're your boss, rather than shut you down, micromanage, or control you, there's a good chance they'll try to teach or train you, bring your ideas to their superiors, and support you in being in bringing it to fruition just for the fun of it, just because they'll see it as something new to do. They hardly shut down anything unless there's no fun, a, a curiosity-enhancing newness of some sort or an opportunity to create or invent something. They'll never bore you or put up with boredom. They're easier to work with than some of the other types, but you have to recognize what works for them and what doesn't in order to interact with them effectively. Uh, was that clear to y'all? Y'all make that make sense? Yeah. I would kind of want to repeat that. All right, the three of y'all talking. Okay. Uh, somebody go first. <laughs> this is Leon. I would like you to repeat that. The whole thing? Uh, like the first part before you get to the boss. Okay. Right. A person who loves adventure, as adventure as their uh, highest aspiration for their life, is someone who will never put up with boredom or a same old, same old lifestyle. It'll feel like being poisoned, jailed in solitary confinement on an island they'll never be able to get off because they don't have a boat to use to get off and don't know how to make one. They ain't putting up with that. These are the people who are all about fun, but they're not frivolous or irresponsible because they need their life to work also. Otherwise, they won't be able to enjoy it. The type of adventures varies from one person to the next. It could be the adventure is parenthood for them or uh, uh, the law. They want to be lawyers or preaching or mechanics. But whatever they're into, it has to be something they can learn from, uh, be different from day to day, and something they feel makes them grow and evolve. They're open to new ideas, are creative, and honor the creativity in others. From there, I go to the boss. Does that work for you? You sharing that? Yes, that works. Did, did you Did you hear something that you um, needed to hear or something? Or you okay? You're complete. I got that. I got that. All right. Uh, there's a couple of y'all was trying to say something too. Uh, I'd like to hear it now. Yeah, I think there's Luna from the car, and that's yes. definitely me. Like some of the other ones, I. Identify with, but I think that's probably my number one. Yes. Yeah. I just went on an adventure this weekend going to Minnesota. Okay. I like it. Excellent. 
and I got to play Jessica Rabbit and Maleficent and a few other things in a photo shoot. So it was it was a good time. Jessica Rabbit, oh my God, I forgot about her. <laughs> oh man, that's great. Thanks. <laughs> All right. All right, I'm gonna keep it moving. Um, next one is Parenthood Family. So Parenthood, Parenthood, Parenthood. Nothing else matters. Everything is about being great parents, making the kids do their homework, eat their food, clean their room. You name it, people with this highest aspiration is doing it. These people are giving their lives to their kids, and everything they do is done with the express purpose of serving their kids and their ability to take care of their kids. It's all done out of love, uh, even if no one can see it. When they complain at work about work hours, what they're really saying is, you're just taking me away from my family. <laughs> Anything that gets in the way of taking care of their family is a major trauma and a major inconvenience. They don't have any patience for that, and they never will. The only way they'll surrender, not be happy, but surrender to whatever's in front of them is if whatever's in front of them is going to be a bigger problem if they don't do it than if they do do it. They don't think about how things will make their job as parents and family members better only if it's going to make things worse. <laughs> They'll be patient at work and in different environments, but as soon as they feel the need to go take care of the kids, you've lost them mentally and emotionally. They ain't in the conversation. Check out. Bottom line. <laughs> Shut up, you. I already know what you're going to say. Uh, bottom line. <laughs> if it ain't helping them take care of the kids better, or they ain't making their family better, they're checked out waiting to go back to their family and kids. Uh, you know anybody like that, Ty? <laughs> you you don't know anybody like that, do you? Really? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely know somebody like that. You cracking me up, boy. You have no idea how much you cracking me up. <laughs> okay, good. I got it. I really got it. Yeah, both you and your wife is the same. That's how come y'all, you know, y'all irresistible to each other because y'all doing the same thing. It's great. So next, last one, spirituality. Uh, It's not the last. It's the last on the list, right? So uh, these are the churchgoers, the monks, and the spirituality followers of the world who believe that life is spirit-based and focus on spiritual values above everything else. They're the meditators, churchgoers, and spiritual readers of the world, spreading love and sometimes making people wrong for not following their beliefs. <laughs> Damn shame. They have good hearts but have less than normal patience generally, not always, because they feel they're on a mission to save the world and you should listen to them, quote, unquote. This makes them hard to deal with when they go, uh, when they go there, but otherwise they're good-hearted people who want to make a difference. They want God in everyone's life, everyone benefiting from having God in their life, and want everyone to be as happy as they want to be. In a way, they're kind of campaigning for God, doing outreach, receiving donations, and all the things constituents do for politicians. The only difference is is God, Allah, Jehovah, Buddha, spirit guy, whatever, is their focus instead of anything else. In a way, this is their way of making a difference. They're thinking that you connecting with God will make you great. In many cases, they won't quit until you get their communication. And the radical ones 
won't quit until you surrender. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can think of I can think of a couple of people that I've known in my life like that. Um, but whichever level of depth they operate at, they're doing it to feel like they're doing their best to do what they feel like they were born to do. So how uh, you know you're communicating with someone like this is that they're always bringing up the conversation back to spirit. You're looking for signs, trying to meet standards like the Ten Commandments or whatever their religion uses, prays a lot, and even tells you what spiritual messages they are being presented to you or presented to them, to you. In many respects, being around them is like being around your parents. They're never going to stop trying to fix you. If you're at work, they'll do their job as if God is watching them and judging them. They'll do what they say they'll do, do their best, but that's about it because their job is just a tool to help them be able to live a functioning life so they can go back to their spiritual pursuits. Uh, they don't usually have any earthly pursuits normally, so you won't see them fighting for positions, job, work, fight for promotions, pay raises, etc. Because in their mind, if God wanted them to have those things, God would either have given it to them already or they're going to get it uh, regardless of anything else. Just know that their agenda is to improve you, improve themselves, and to be happy wherever they are in life. Now, I know that sounded kind of uh, uh, negative, but um, uh, I don't know if, if anybody's experienced that, that those, those kind of mindsets with dealing with people who are spiritually motivated. And sometimes it's about religion as opposed to spirituality. Um, I know that um, uh, I know, uh, uh, spirit is, is a big thing for me, but not religion. Uh, and I know there's at least one or two people on this call that are aware of that um, and be scratching their head sometime when I say spirit is guiding me in this direction. But uh, <laughs> um, does anybody have any questions about any of those uh, uh, versions of the world? Tony, this is Jamie. I have a question. Yes. Um, I I was listening for people in my life and their greatest aspirations, and the last one that you brought up about spirituality yes. could could that come in the form of a philosophy of life that's very deep and rooted rather than yes. a religion. Yes. Okay. Yes, okay. totally. Totally. <laughs> okay, so that yes. makes sense. It's not about yes. God, but it's about this underlying principle and philosophy that like rules. Right. It's really more about spirit than it is about religion, really. Okay. That's why I call it spirituality, but for the purposes of being able to recognize it, in addition to what you just said, more people that are living in that world are operating inside of religion than spirituality. But you're right. Um, it's not like, let me see, how can I say this? Um, you just want to be able to see it, not like make a judgment about it, because mm -hmm. it's really more so you can understand how to communicate with them and how to stay out of trouble in those communications with them, you know? Yes, this is making something really clear to me <laughs> in a relationship okay. where I can really see that I did I hadn't seen that before, and being able to recognize that would it it makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Good. So. Um. So yeah. So when it comes to what's the result people want to produce. The result 
the fundamental result behind everything is to live the life I just shared. So you, you want to know where people are coming from so you could like, meet them where they are. Or also introduce them to where you are because wherever you are on that particular information is uh, what's going to make a difference for you uh, by letting them understand you. They're not going to work hard to understand you unless, you know, they take in this course or they've worked at trying to learn communication. You know, like I said last session, people will work really hard to make you understand them, and they will work really hard to make you speak in ways they can understand, but they ain't going to work almost at all to understand you. So when you can see who they are, you ain't got to fight half of it. You, you got, you know, half to, the battle is over. Uh, and so I'm going to take this into the next section, um, a distinction called mental modeling, mental modeling. So um, humans are indirect. Anybody notice that? Um, that people say stuff, but not directly. Anybody notice that at all? Ever? Yep, I have. Yeah, y'all being indirect by not answering. <laughs> 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 all right, that's fine. I'm just joking. Uh, kind of. All right. So, um, yeah, humans, human beings are indirect, not as a result of our DNA, but as a result of living in a culture of resignation and cynicism along with their experiences from interacting with parents, school, the media, et cetera. But even though we're fundamentally indirect, we still want everyone to understand us perfectly. The only way to guarantee this happens, happening is to be able to read people's minds in the course of conversations, which isn't possible. So what's a person to do? Understand how the mind works. By that, I mean read uh, how the mind reacts, responds, and serves us, in addition to seeing the pictures in their mind the way those pictures are in their mind. The closest we're currently able to make that happen is a distinction called mental modeling. So I first learned about mental modeling in 2001 when I first read Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh. In that book, there was a quote that in there, among many, that I just cannot ever forget. The quote is, no one does anything wrong given their model of the world. When I first read that, I was like, whoa. I mean, I just, it took me a while. I, just, I scratched my head for a long time after that. And then I mean more than a day, you know? <laughs> so what he's saying is that human beings don't do anything they think is not in their best interest no matter how stupid, dangerous, or ugly it is. When you fully understand this, it's difficult to get upset with people and almost impossible to stay upset with them because you'll know that figuratively speaking, their model of the world is the equivalent of, use an example of a living room and the furniture in it, they have the sofa in front of the front door and the baby crib in front of the fireplace. That doesn't work, but they don't know it. When the concept of mental models became embedded in my mind from another book, somebody's going to say something? Just care, check it. All right. So um, when the concept of mental models became embedded in my mind came from another book called The Fifth Discipline by Peter Senge. By the way, hint, hint, wink, wink. Y'all might want to read those books, but it's up to you. It's a 
I'm not selling something on my own, but, but they're useful. So, <laughs> so that book uses the concept of mental modeling in the area of businesses. He created a niche designed to help business take advantage of its own knowledge called knowledge transfer. The five, excuse me, the five disciplines are systems thinking, personal mastery, shared, shared vision, mental modeling, and team learning. Here's his definition of the term mental modeling. The internal images, thoughts, ideas, and beliefs held within the mind of every living being regarding how the world works. When he says uh, within the mind of every living being, he means more than just humans. So elephants have a different model of the world than human beings do. But then again, so do sharks and bats and mosquitoes. To every creature on the planet, anything that's living, that's a moving creature, whether it's, you know, uh, animal, seafaring, insect, they have a view of the world of how the world works, and they operate true to that um, model of the world. Does that make sense? Okay, I'll take that as a yes. Uh, Mental modeling. The term is not only how we see and make sense of the world, but how and why we take action. They are active. They shape how we act. The pictures, memories, and beliefs, and other mental concepts in the mind of people that make up their mental model of the world are purely and only the principles they've chosen to align themselves with, whether consciously or not. In order to alter those models, one would need to deal with them at the level of principles, otherwise known as context. The main mental model to look for is a person's highest aspiration, because we human beings want to live life, want to live a life uh, of only whatever that is for us. So, you know, we went through the six different ones. Now I'm going to show you how to deal with them. I'm going to share with you how to deal with them. There's four steps to dealing with them. Uh, one is to distinguish, then to verify what you distinguished, then to communicate what you distinguished, and then whenever necessary, or you have the capacity to do that, to alter it. Because if they got the baby crib in front of the fireplace, so to speak, and the door, the sofa in front of the door, they're running a life that ain't working even though they think it is. So, Mental, uh, so first you've got to distinguish their mental model. You want to mentally observe the thought process of the person you're dealing with such that you can identify, distinguish the principles they live their life by and instruct them as to how to act. So what I mean by that is this. You know, you could see if a person is being loving versus impatient. So people may have a poker face, but they're still going to operate based on what's going on in their head. So to be more specific about that, um, I'm going to, you know, share something with you, an example of what I mean. So a couple of y'all have heard this, so just, you know, be with it. Um, so, so imagine uh, a glass breaking on the floor. So you're at work, and you're, you know, in your cubicle or whatever, and, you know, you hear, you know, a glass break in the kitchen. And, you know, and you're working, you'd be like, wow, glass broke in the kitchen. <sighs> feel sorry for them, or whatever you think, right? It's no big deal, right? Now, picture your home. You know, you're cooking, and, you know, you got kids, and while your back is to the rest of the kitchen, 
you hear a glass break. Why'd you break the glass? What's wrong with you or something? Whatever you say, right? You get annoyed. You know, you got to clean it up or they better clean it up. And, you know, it's like an inconvenience, but it's personal now. It's a little closer to the house, you know, closer to you. So, you know, even though it's a glass broke, because of the mental model you have of the environment that you're in, you have a different opinion about it, even though it's the same daggone thing, a glass broke, right? Now, third scenario. You know, you're home by yourself. Everybody's out the house but you. Two o'clock in the morning, you're a glass break in the kitchen. Uh, you're going to have a different model of the world there <laughs> than you did at work. Because you're like, who the hell is in my house at 2 o'clock in the morning? Oh, shit. Or whatever, right? Some of y'all, you know, out here got gun licenses, so you might want to pull that out before you go into the kitchen, right? So how you see the world is how you're going to actually operate. And so what happens is, how people uh, operate in the world is something happens and then they have a thought about something that happened, about that thing that happened. Something happens and they have a thought about it. And then almost immediately, so immediately that sometimes it feels like the same thing, but it's not. After they have a thought, they feel a certain way about that thought. And then they take actions based on how they feel. Right? So, Something happens, you have a thought about it, then you feel a certain way about that thought, then you do something. That's how it works for us every single time. And that's why when you understand that, it makes it easier to understand the people that you're communicating with, the people that you're living with, the people that you're around. Because you just got to see what did they think about what just happened. And how they look at it is the way they see the world, and they're going to operate true to that every single time. They may grow and evolve or devolve, Regardless of that, they're still going to be uh, dealing with the world the way they see it. They just can't not do it. It's like um, the survival mechanism. Uh, so um, what you want to do when people are in that place and distinguishing their mental model is tracking their thoughts to see where that thought came from and what are they trying to produce. So a powerful question that you can ask yourself uh, when you're in the communication, is what must they be thinking that made them feel that what they just said or did was okay? Because that question helps you track the idea of something happened, and then they had a thought about it, and then they had a feeling about it, and then they did something. So, again, the question is, and you get, obviously, it in the email, what must they be thinking that had them feel that what they just said or did was okay? If you have that question in your head as a ongoing curiosity, you'll be able to understand people so much better than you can now. It's unbelievable. So that's how you distinguish mental models. Any questions before I move on? Okay. Next. Okay, great. So, yes, you got to keep checking in with people when they're doing that, when they're communicating until you get where they're coming from. And then once you do that, next thing you, you want to do is, you know, check it in, but checking in is verifying your findings. So as things come to you during your interactions with people, ask questions intended to clarify and verify your insights, observations, and conclusions as completely accurate and irrefutable before you announce your findings with them. So um, Gary and, and, and Barbara was, was talking about the conversation that they had this week, and they was actually doing this. And they didn't know they were doing this, but they were doing this, and it actually helped them 
avoid a, a, an argument. Can 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 you, Gary and uh, Barbara, can y'all see what I'm talking about here? Y'all was yeah. trying to understand each other, right? And you was, yeah. actually, you was actually doing this, just didn't know that's what you were doing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So as things come to you, like, okay, yeah, so you want to you verify before you say, uh, you know, here's what I got, right? So then what you want to do is bring the clarity, which means communicate your findings and the impact of those findings such that they get it fully. Because telling people something is one thing, but telling them, how it's going to affect them if they do or don't do, if they did or didn't do, that makes it stick better. And you don't want to do it like you're judging them or warning them or like that. But you do want to be like, you know, I just what I just got from what you said is da da and what I can see is how it could be, blah, 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 blah. And like you, you're giving it to them as a gift as opposed to a warning or a you should or shouldn't. Uh, and then also, when you bring it to them, you are also, like, giving them a chance to explain to you whether you was accurate or not. Like, you know, what you're saying may not be 100% accurate, so you say, listen, this is what I got from what you're saying. You know, tell me, you know, if that's accurate or not. Because just because you figured it out don't mean what you figured it out was accurate because you got your own mental model. Make sense? Okay. Yeah, I got you. You got it. <laughs> So then, then whenever possible or whenever necessary, you want to help them find more appropriate ideas, context, actions, practices, plans, whatever, uh, to live their life by so they can have different mental models from that point forward. So um, to give you an idea of what I mean by this, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, so... There's a allegory about um, a um, admiral in the Queen's, in the British Empire, in the British uh, uh, Navy. And uh, he was on a mission in World War II. And, um, and uh, one of his uh, sailors says, Captain, there's a boat. I don't know the terminology, so forgive me for that, but there's a boat about three miles down coming directly at us. And so the admiral says, uh, tell the ship to move 10 degrees to the right. So they use SOS. They had on internet at the time. They use SOS. Uh, move uh, uh, your ship to the uh, right. Um, we're coming through, whatever. Right? And so they get, a, they get an SOS message back that says, you move to the right 10 degrees. So, uh, you know, the sailor comes back and tells the admiral that. And then uh, the admiral's like, what? Tell um, that person that this is Admiral John uh, Lewis of uh, the USS, uh, uh, you know, the, the Queen's uh, Mary, blah, 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 uh, that you need to move 10 degrees or else. And then uh, they send an SOS, and then they get a SOS back. It says, uh, this is uh, Corporal Charles Dickens of the United States Navy. Uh, you have to move 10 degrees to the right. Now the admiral blows his mind like, oh, my God. I, uh, I'm on it. And then he says, says it's something to the effect of uh, this is a ship, your battleship. We're on a mission. You know, the queen sent us here, you know, on the highest of the admiral. And you got a lot of nerve talking to me like that. 
something like that, right? Sends a thing out there. It says, uh, and then uh, they get an SOS back. Uh, sorry to uh, to uh, have you feel disrespected, uh, Admiral, but this is a lighthouse. We can't move. You move 10 degrees. <laughs> that... <laughs> Wait. 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 See that coming. <laughs> Wait. I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. That was when, good. You, when you give people information that changes their mind in ways that they can't go back to the old way of thinking, you have done them a gift and a favor and help them improve their life, but also improve your relationship with them. Because they can't go back to that old thinking. So when you hear stuff that's going wrong that ain't working for them, you know, do your best to communicate your findings to them in ways that they can't possibly misunderstand or ever forget. And not only will you have helped them, but you will have helped your relationship with them. They will trust you more and stop fighting you. So whatever version of way, and I know everybody on this call has done that in some way, shape, or form. Just don't know you're doing it or thought about doing it. Or maybe you didn't even notice you did it, but you did it sometime. If you're older than 21, you did this at least once somewhere. So you want to be paying attention to what's going on in the other person's mind, because if you don't, you ain't going to be able to speak to them in ways that's impossible to misunderstand and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, and I love that story. So, so next. Uh, first is to know, like I said, uh, first thing is to know. Um, what their purpose in life is, what's the main intended outcome of their life, which is to live the type of life they want to live. For me, it's making a difference. Everything I'm talking about is about how do I make a difference for people, right? That's why you're all on the call here, and that's why all of that, right? And some of you all about adventure, and some of you about whatever, right? Parenthood, like entrepreneurship, I heard those. I don't think anybody's here is about being content. I don't think y'all would be here if you was. Um, I'd be bored to death. So uh, now what we're going to do is uh, talk about something. Uh, it's a distinction called monkey mind. I was going to read it, and then I'll tell you about it. So when it comes to understanding people in conversations, the first thing you need to do, the first thing you need to be able to do, is to recognize <clears throat> whether they're conscious or not. It's not that hard to do. <laughs> The first thing to look for is whether someone is reactionary or not, whether they're reactionary or responsive. Reactions come as a result of somehow being triggered along with an emotional response to what's going on. For example, you say hi to the person you say it, and, and the person you say it to reacts with something that can start an argument, put you in check, or make you feel bad. You had no idea what's coming out, uh, coming on with them, but that's not really them who's doing the talking. It's their mental machinery trying to protect them. Remember, the brain is a pattern recognition and answer-seeking device, so that's what's responding to you, not them, the conscious human being. In addition, Humans naturally have about 50 to 60,000 thoughts a day. They have approximately 3,100 thoughts per hour. That means we have approximately 52 thoughts each minute. That's right. You're having at least one individual thought a second 
on average, and if and that's if everything is basically okay in your life. If there's a crisis, you may have a hundred thousand thoughts that day. If you've ever had the misfortune of being in overthinking mode, you now know why it's so difficult to deal with it. A side note is that people get tired from overthinking because their brain requires more energy and food than any other part of the body. Don't waste your time overthinking. It's murderous. <laughs> so as I pointed out in the previous model, in the previous conversation, uh, what I just said, 3,100 thoughts per hour will get in the way of your listening focus if you're not aware of this because you can only listen to one voice at a time, and most of the time that voice of your, of your thoughts is the one you'll listen to. The most reliable way to determine in what way a person is, con- is unconscious of, because there's different ways of expressing being unconscious, is by using a structure called monkey mind. So monkey mind was first described or created by the Buddha centuries ago. So it's public domain intellectual property. If you do a search on the internet, you're likely to see what I'm about to share, but it's all ex- and it's all extremely useful. So don't worry about the specifics of the list I'm about to share. Just remember to use it contextually because that's where the value is. So I'm going to go through the list. I'll describe it a little bit. And um, I also want you to notice which are the ones that when you go unconscious are the ones you usually go with. So like, oh, yeah, I do that one. Oh, yeah, I do that one. Because if you don't know what triggers you, you won't know when you go unconscious and you won't be able to do anything about it. And then you'll be wondering why your life don't change or your conversations don't get better or your relationships go in the toilet or whatever. So monkey mind. There's uh, 17 different uh, uh, distinctions in it. So there's being vague. Uh, being vague is, you know, not committing. It's like, uh, I, know, I was thinking about it. It's like being an ostrich with your head in the sand. You know, people that spend money, but they don't pay attention to their bills, and then they wonder well, how come they ran out of money, stuff like that, being vague. And being vague in conversations. Like, I don't want to get trapped or controlled. I don't want to make a commitment. Um, and uh, I don't want to look red or wrong. It's a protective mechanism, being vague, quite frankly. Uh, next, dealing with the past or the future as if it's the present. Oh, it's always going to be like that. Or it never happened to me before. Those are reactions. Those are not actual intelligent thinking points. They're just reactions. And, um, well, you're just reacting. <laughs> so um, if you really thought about it, you'd be like, well, whatever happened in the past, it's in the past. And, you know, future's not unwritten, you know, or – Whatever's happening in the future, you know, is, you know, it ain't happened yet. The past already done. The future never happened. But if you act like they're like as if you're in the present, then uh, you're not conscious, and you want to listen for people that's that's go there. Next, being defensive. Not too many people be defensive and are conscious at the same time. Usually, it's more like I didn't even know I was being defensive, or they'll say I was just explaining myself. That's another one. So what you want to do is wake them up. Um, oh, again, I hope you all are, like, writing down which ones are, like, your favorites or regulars. Um, I know I've got mine, and I'll let you know <laughs> some of mine. So taking things personally. Um, like, nobody can say nothing when you're triggered because you always want to think it's an attack. So you take it personally. Whether you do something about it 
aggressively or passively, uh, uh, taking things personally is one of those things that uh, are, are, is really automatic. Because if you was conscious, you would be listening for why did what did you mean and why and all that other stuff. Feeling resigned. Uh, that's one of mine, I have to admit. You know, there's times when I feel resigned. I haven't felt resigned lately, but I'm conscious of the fact that I could possibly feel resigned, which is, this is never going to happen. I keep failing or stuff like that. Then I got to talk myself out of it. At least I know it. And the hardest part really is to recognize which one is yours and when you are in it. Because again, if you're in yours, then um, you are uh, probably unconscious, which means you're about as conscious as you are driving to work the same route every day and not remember, oh, I drove to work. Oh, what happened this time? That's probably that red light. Like, you don't remember none of that stuff. You just be at work until somebody says something like, oh, yeah, I passed that on the way to work. Y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, so uh, making qualifying statements. This is another backdoor kind of thing, like similar to being vague. Well, you know, I will or maybe I'll think about it or, you know, I'll try, um, you know, not sure. You know, it's a non-committal mindset that is protectionary because you don't want to get in trouble later. Uh, making qualifying statements, uh, making excuses, um, can either be uh, before you do something or after. <laughs> but you've got all of these reasons. You know, when you're unconscious and you're giving excuses for you, they're reasons, and so you want to be paying attention to that. Um, and listening for others. And all of these things, you want to bring them back to consciousness so you can actually have a real conversation with them. Next, using either-or thinking. It's, another way of saying it is black or white thinking. It's either going to be this way or that. Well, life is always this way or that. You know, and so when people go into either-or and they can't, they can't come up with both and or they can't, like, try to examine the either or the or, then... Um, that's because their machinery is running the, the case and not their brain. Next, being paranoid. I don't know anybody that walks around and says, hmm, you know, out of all the possible ways I could be feeling right now, I think I'm going to choose paranoid. Nobody says that. Paranoid is a reaction. Make sense? Uh, yeah, it makes sense. All right, fine. <laughs> Next, making comparisons. If you're comparing yourself or what you do to anybody besides yourself, you're in reaction mode, and it's really a form of being defensive. Um, or if you hear other like, people being like that, they're comparing themselves. You know, but, you know, you said, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I know this is on recording, but I'm, I'm, I have to say that Kellyanne Conway is the master of being able to make comparisons. But she does it almost consciously. She just knows how to, like, throw people off using comparisons. But she ain't the only one. Most of us are like. Somebody laughing at that? I am laughing at that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, Yeah, making comparisons. Ugly, tiring, oh, my God. But it's like automatic. Then there's rationalizing. Rationalizing is giving yourself an excuse before you do something. You're talking yourself into doing something you know you don't want to do or shouldn't do or doesn't work. Justifying is the same exact thing except for it's after you've done it. 
So you can rationalize yourself into doing something like cheating, and then afterwards you would justify it because you're a victim, and you couldn't help it, and, you know, your partner was giving you such a hard time or something. Or you hear that in somebody else's conversation. So rationalizing and justifying is the same thing. It's just a matter of did they make an excuse before or after. Deflecting. Oh, honey, you did such a great job. Oh, that was nothing. That's deflecting. It's a reaction. Nobody says, hmm, I'm going to invalidate whatever you say to me good um, because I think that's the best way to maintain and take care of this relationship. Nobody says that. It's a reaction. Um, being a martyr. Uh, being a martyr is, uh, you know, being a victim, you know, I'm going to really do my best and I died for you, kind of like. That's a reaction. They're real martyrs, but they don't have to explain themselves as a martyr. They got to explain themselves as a martyr. They're in reaction mode. Being bitchy. Um, I got a friend on the call here. Uh, he gave me one of my most favorite. He gave me my favorite phrase of the last twelve months. Um, and this is this is, you know, just one of, of many ways to express being bitchy. Is I'm Cinderella, motherfucker. I didn't originate that one, but that's somebody who's being bitchy, throwing out emotional outbursts, you know, bullying you with their eyes or their silence, being bitchy. Guys do it. Girls do it. Everybody does it. Well, everybody that's unconscious does it sometimes. Um, let's see here. And then uh, being impulsive. That's another one of mine. I, I get impulsive. I start. Y'all can hear me being impulsive when I'm talking, but I also – Got to manage being impulsive in other areas, but this is where you got you take actions with no thinking whatsoever. You just be doing it, and then later on, wow, I did that. Oh my god, I didn't even realize that. Oh, and you know what? I left out one uh, called fragmenting your personality. Fragmenting your personality is like, um, gee, uh, a part of me feels this way, and another part of me feels that way, and another part of me feels like this, and I can't make up my mind which way to go. There's only one of you. It's just that you're feeling four or five things. It's not like there's four or five of you feeling one thing each. But that's the relationship to that. So um, let's see here. Uh, and, and once in a while, I'll deflect. That's another one I, I might do from time to time. Oh, gee, yes. Thank you. You know, I got to remind myself that uh, allowing people to contribute to me is contributing to them. Um, uh Receiving is giving to the giver. Sometimes I got to remind myself. Not a lot, but I do. So uh, I'd love to hear some things about this uh, feedback. Uh, what you're hearing, what came up for you, which one is this, these are yours, any of that. This is Robin, and I yes. just wanted, I wanted to thank you for going over the differences of um, the um, – purpose and the aspiration um, that um, you going over each one of those really made it um, made a difference for me and, and really made it clear for me what um, my aspiration, my highest aspiration is. Um, however, you didn't, <laughs> I kind of, mine kind of goes into, you, you didn't say, so you said love partnership. Um, what was it? Um, love partnership, wealth success. No, entrepreneurship. What was the other one? Oh, so it was. Well, um, so, uh, you want to you want uh, me to repeat the six? Repeat, huh? Yeah. 
Okay. So the six are, uh, in no particular order, making a difference together or making a difference, um, entrepreneurship, being a business owner, you know, a titan, building an empire, um, uh, uh, a life of uh, uh, spirituality, a uh, life of parenthood, being parents and family members together, uh, being content. And let me see, that's five. And then uh, what's the sixth one here? Uh, the one that I didn't say yet. Hold on a second. Uh, spirituality. Oh, adventure. Life of adventure. Okay. So. Got it. Got it. Okay. Well, so now. Was, so get, what, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. What was the, the group that you said? So you said love, partnership, wealth, success, and something else. Were those like? I thought that was like the highest aspiration. I, I wrote that. I wrote those down. I'm not sure like what that was. I was probably describing various ways. Various parts of got it. Right. That got various it. ways that they that each one of those can look like. Got it. Okay. Got it. Got right. It, got it. Okay. So somebody. So, so somebody. So somebody that's a parent that loves being a parent may want to be a parent because they love being parents. Or they may want to be a parent because they see the adventure in it. Got it. So you need to be sure why they're doing what they're doing, not just what they're doing. Got it. Got so, it. And, you, and usually they will communicate it to you, even though they don't know that's what they're communicating to you. Okay. Got it. That makes it clear. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Good. Okay. So I just wanted to remind you, you folks that uh, uh, that did hear this early, and for you that are also on the call here, that uh, this call has was just got so much stuff going on that I, I think it is going to take about uh, an additional 15 minutes to deliver this. So I was thinking, uh, I said I said this at the beginning, that this pro- this call is probably going to go to 8:45. So. Right now it is 8.17, and I want to be responsible for letting you know that. So if you have to get off at 8.30, fine. I respect it. I understand it, but it will be on the recording. And if you uh, do stay around and you get it all right now instead of later. So, but, um, yeah, this, this thing is so jam-packed with, with uh, that. And then the other thing I want to say for those of you who are on the call that were not on when I first started is that I was originally not going to be on a call next Sunday because I was supposed to be at a workshop, but that workshop got postponed from – April to October, and so I'm able to be on the call. So I'm gonna what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna have a open-ended call for next Sunday. You don't have to be on it, but if you want to, that's fine. Pick my brain, drive me crazy, whatever. Be on the call, and I'll just take care of you uh, as a as a free open conversation, uh, reviewing anything you want to review. So I just want to put that in. All right, great. So now, um, how? will you be able to tell if and when you're in monkey mind? So what you want to do is ask yourself, where did that thought I just had come from, me or my machinery? Because a lot of times you're either thinking, asking questions, looking for clarity, things like that, or a thought had you, such as a thought pops into your head that's a new idea you've never contemplated before. For most people, any thought that moves around in their brain are viewed as them thinking when in reality they are thoughting, T-H-O-U-G-H-T-I-N-G, thoughting. 
Sorting is okay, but you need to be aware of whether you received a thought or originated a thought so you can most powerfully use that thought. Even more importantly, you need to be able to tell the difference with yourself when and whether you're thinking or thoughting so you can tell when others are doing it. See, if you can't tell if you're just uh, being controlled by your thoughts, you won't be able to tell if other people are being controlled by their thoughts. So you need to be conscious enough to be able to tell whether you're conscious. And then by the time, fact that you're able to stay, if you're conscious or not, then um, you will be able to tell if other people are conscious or not. Then you can do something about it, like interrupt them, like enlighten them, like something. If they're too annoying, go away, come back. But you just don't sit there being a victim of the fact that they're unconscious. And I can't figure it out. Because you can, but you're paying attention to it. So now, the last piece of this, call, this conversation here is um, about how people look at the world. So we have a particular intention we want to fulfill on, which is our highest aspiration for our life, the lifestyle that we most want to live. But then it's how we look at it that is going to help us fulfill on that or not, depending on whether we're conscious of how we're looking at stuff. 99.9% of the planet had no idea how they're looking at life. They're just looking at, what, looking at life in ways that give them what they want or they hope or desire it to give them what they want. So I've identified this thing called the 10 types of vision. And uh, let me just read this here. The 10 types of vision, these are the ways people look at life and, and, and at how to produce the results they want. For example, if you're in a forest looking for bananas, you'll be looking at trees and trying to figure out how exactly you need to get those bananas. Some people will climb trees, some people will look for a branch or a stick to knock the bananas out of trees, and some will figure out how to make someone else get them some bananas. Those would be the entrepreneurs, right? <laughs> so looking to accomplish a result requires one to know how best to go about it. However, just because you think you know how to best go about it doesn't mean you actually know how to go about it. It's likely that you or the people around you have a certain way of looking at life that at one time worked, and since it worked at first, they become convinced, they become convinced it'll always work. That way of looking at things would be one of their types of vision. Another thing, once people identify a way of looking at things that have worked before, they have a tendency to stay attached to that way only unless they accidentally discover another way of looking at life because, uh, because of the lessons uh, from the school of hard knocks. The school of hard knocks don't care how you're looking at things. It just does what it does. People are generally very stubborn when it comes to their view of life. In addition, they get triggered when others don't see things the same way they do. This is the cause of so many unnecessary fights and arguments that if humanity gave themselves permission to allow others to see things differently than we do, we probably reduced fights at every level by at least 50%. That's just my guess, but how come you don't think you see things like I do? Because ain't you? Is that okay? <laughs> it's like Rodney King said, can't we all... Can't we all just get along, damn it? So, uh, I'm going to give you like a... Say it, say it again. 
I've been guilty of that, man. Um, yeah, well, I did too before I started doing landmark work, personal development work, I should say, not just them. Anyhow, how this works, here's a way of looking at this. Um, you know, to be open-minded or to be as, as, as conscious of what I'm about to say as possible. So um, there's one way of seeing things and one way of looking at things. That would be for a hammer, to a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So a hammer will be looking around for nails, and if any of it is not a nail, it's going to treat it like a nail, and it's going to hammer, hammer, hammer. That would be one way of seeing things, one way of looking at things. Uh, then there's another thing, this way it's like one way of seeing things, but many ways of dealing with things. So a hammer might look at a nail, and a hammer might hit the nail, but also the hammer might try to pull the nail out, you know, might try to, you know, use it to scratch your back, but it's still a hammer, and it sees things like you got to hit or take or, or, or use, I got to use myself against other things. Then there's many ways of seeing things, but only one way of dealing with things. Oh, honey, that was so nice. But then you give him a hard time. Or you should have done that, and then you give him a hard time. Or, um, wow, you know, I'm ready to go to sleep. And then you give somebody a hard time that you want to go to sleep. So you got, like, many ways of looking at things and many ways of wanting to, many things you want to do, but then you go back to dealing with it the same dang on way. And then uh, the last piece is many ways of seeing things and also many ways of dealing with things. That's what this piece is about. So I want to say it's 825. If somebody need to go, fine. But uh, you're going to want to hear these 10 types of vision. So I'm going to explain to you what they are. So um, I'll give you the, the, the list of them first, and then I'll describe them each. Um, and as I'm describing them, I want you to notice which ones are yours. So there's horizontal vision. You don't got to write them down, but I just want to let you know what's coming. Horizontal vision, peripheral vision, X-ray vision, uh, intuitive vision, ground level vision, connection vision, microscopic vision, financial vision, authenticity vision, vertical vision. Now I'm explaining them to you. So start from the top here. All right, horizontal vision. Horizontal vision is a type of vision that sees and views the entire landscape in front of it in ways that allows that person to see and understand the lay of the land. This is about understanding where, where everything's at and understanding those things fundamentally. These are the people who need to know things at the same level of awareness as college professors. They need to be able to look at things and find nothing they can't or don't understand. These are the deep thinkers and planners who create strategies to take care of up to millions of people, and yet they don't necessarily do it for that reason. They only care about making sure everything is working. These are like planners, leaders, like that. That's one type of vision. The next type, is anybody, by the way, yeah, I want you to like identify if, if the vision types I talk about is how you see life. If those are the types you look at. If you uh, uh, think about, there's a, there's a TV, there was a movie, oh, uh, Predator. <laughs> Ty, don't laugh too hard, right? Uh, the Predator. Not to. <laughs> yeah, no, I got it, I got it. There's a, there's a Predator uh, movie, uh, the second one, where he was in a locker and he could feel something was going on, but he couldn't see nothing. So he went to his uh, his equipment, and he kept switching his vision. He went from ultraviolet to infrared to X-ray 
to whatever, um, and then until he was able to see the humans, and then he killed them. But he had to keep changing his vision until he could see what was going on. That's what this is for. You can keep changing your vision until you can actually see who you're dealing with and where they're coming from. So you can communicate with them in ways as possible to misunderstand, take care of the relationship and all that stuff. So that's what these are. Horizontal vision is like that. That's the planning, you know, scope, leadership stuff um, like that. Next is peripheral vision. This type of vision focuses on the environment it's in, recognizing and managing the impact that the space or environment is having on itself. For example, the way scientists observe and track the impact that a jungle has on the animals in it. At a more basic level, this is the way a person with this type of vision will show up at work. They're looking at all the things that can go wrong, and they'll keep bringing up those questions until uh, bringing those up until those questions are answered. Their brain is never turned off, and they're never not thinking. Whether they are looking to avoid problems or create solutions, this is what they're focused on, their environment, periphery, the whole thing. They're looking at things circularly. Next, x-ray vision. Uh, these people focus on matters of truth and falsehood. They're always looking for the truth, especially when they don't believe it exists. They cannot stand being in an, uh, in an inauthentic environment, and sometimes um, if they can't tell the truth from falsehood, they'll get paranoid and assume there is no truth and start making up conspiracy theories and stuff like that. In relationships, these are the people who will inspect your phone, social media profiles, etc. <laughs> At work, they're always protecting themselves, worrying about someone or something damaging their ability to get their job or keep their job. These people aren't always paranoid, only when they can't connect to the truth. Intuitive vision. It sounds a little similar to x-ray, but it's not. This type of vision is where a person connects with their feelings along with connecting with the feelings of others. Feelings run their day all day long. If they can't feel anything, that's a problem, and they feel they need to do something about it. They're feeling the vibes in a room and environment, and if they're not, they're going to make themselves feel it. This is not usually the type of vision a person has, but when a person has uh, this type of vision, they'll never, they're, they're never really checked out from it, and they'll use it as their main type of vision, not the only one. By the way, um, I'm gonna, I was going to say this at the end, but I'll just say it now. Um, usually we have one type of vision when everything is fine, and then we use another type of vision when things are not fine at all. Because we couldn't see that thing that's not fine when we was looking at our, our normal way, so we shift our focus, our attention, our in, intention to whatever that other type of, of uh, vision you have. And some folks have four or five of these, and they may not even be conscious of the fact that they have it. So I just want to put that in. All right, next. Um, next is ground-level vision. <laughs> oh, my God. Rather than being a truth-based vision, it is a, it is a reality-based vision. People with this type of vision don't care about opinions. They care about facts. They need to know that what's being proposed is based in reality such that it's repeatable, reliable, and accurate. They don't believe in taking chances, and they don't believe in wasting time. They get to the point, and they revel in being accurate. 
They don't mind learning and or experimenting, but from the bottom line of uh, from but the bottom line is things need to be connected to reality such that they can build on top of whatever they just learned or created. These people like creating systems, structures, and practices that allow for success to be duplicatable and reliable. A lot of these folks are like the managers, whether they're you know, managers at work or they're the one running the house, usually the wife being that particularly needing, needing to have life go this way. And on us guys, we know it, so we surrender. <laughs> Y'all are awesome. Okay, next. Connection vision. Um, these are people who look at the world systematically. In other words, they see things as a whole rather than parts. As far as they're concerned, everything is connected to everything else. Everything is a part of a system, and they need to be able to recognize it or they won't be able to sleep at night. This is an obsession for these people. They can't stop looking for patterns. Their naturally human tendency to recognize patterns is amplified to infinity. Like, you know, we're born to recognize our brain is an answer-seeking device and a pattern recognition device. But people with this vision is like amplified. And that's a blessing for the rest of us, really. Uh, however, if you can't handle the amount of attention they give to pattern recognition, you should go away and leave them alone. But they ain't stopping until they're ready to stop. You can't slow them down. Next, microscopic vision. We're getting close to the end. These people want to know what things are made of, meaning what's the origin of things. They want to know the history, location, and other things about what they're dealing with. This is their way of determining whether something is true or useful along with its origin because to them, they're coming from some version of the apple don't fall far from the tree. This is about credibility of themselves and others. They're only paying attention to things that have credibility, legitimacy, and quality, or they're out of the loop, turning it back to whatever it is that they're facing or dealing with. So if it ain't legit, they got to quit. That's how that goes. Next. I know I'm going through this pretty quick. I'm trying to, like, manage the time here. Financial vision. Financial vision isn't talking about money. It isn't about money per se. It's about return on investment, meaning worth, value, impact, risk, et cetera. For example, where one person may hesitate to do something because they don't see or recognize the plan in front of them, a financial vision person wants to see proof and the odds of whether that's, uh, what's being proposed is going to work or not. They'll constantly make you prove something's going to work, and if it won't, how will its failure impact them because they're committed to never losing in any area they participate in. They'll investigate every, or every aspect of whatever they're being asked to participate in as if it's a stock investment, making sure they recognize and can do something about whatever they're involving themselves in because, again, they're not interested in losing no matter what they're doing. This isn't about ego or winning. This is about risk management. In other words, the less chance there is for something to fail, the less risky that thing is, and the more likely their finance, this, the financial vision person will jump in on it to take advantage of it. They're not necessarily looking for the best thing. They're looking for how to lose the least first and how to gain the most second. Next. Next to the last is uh, authenticity vision. This is part physical and part tone of voice, um, part vibrational. 
Authenticity vision is about being able to see, feel, and connect with the truth. Officers, cops, try to use this type of vision when first encountering someone in their line of duty, whether it be trying to read somebody's body language, eye movements, etc. HR tries to do the same when looking to hire employees. Most of us try to use this vision when on a first or second date and when they suspect or when they suspect that their partner might not be might be up to no good. Uh, this type of vision is almost automatic. We need to feel safe so it seems to come up automatically, but for some of us, this type of vision is the preferred way of viewing and interacting with life. Anyone with this type of vision is most likely going to be 100% conscious and paying attention to things because in their mind, they can't afford to sleep on something that will end up hurting them and they're not going to let that happen. They're not going to be unconscious um, that uh, it's possible to happen, and they're not going to be at the effect of any of that. In dealing with these people, be prepared to be investigated, checked out, looked over, and confronted. If they smell anything that lines up with their version of reality, that, excuse me, that doesn't line up with their uh, version of reality, or what works or what doesn't. Uh, or is anything less than real? They ain't stopping their search for the truth until they find it. And then last is vertical vision. This is context vision, meaning this type of vision is about viewing things from the highest perspective and what to do about it. It's like taking a high road. These are people who constantly look at things as they are and look to see how they can use what they've discovered or noticed to improve things. For them, everything can always be upgraded even though they're not walking around making things wrong. They're trying to make a difference and make things better, not identify problems and focus on that. What they look to do is for how to upgrade things no matter how great they are. For them, it's not about anything wrong. It's about making things even more right, greater, or better. So these are the 10 types of vision in the various ways we view life. One important thing to note is that almost everyone has more than one type of vision. Uh, I said this a little before, um, but uh, I'll say it again. You know, how this shows up is that we look at life one way when everything's cool and another when things, when things uh, are a problem. It's almost as if when things aren't cool anymore, we feel that we need to change how we see things. Like I said, since we didn't see the problem in the first place. So for instance, you could be in a romantic situation, all happy and everything, and then boom, Something happened to make you feel paranoid, fearful, or defeated, and you can't look at anything the same way you were just looking at uh, a few seconds ago. So in conclusion, if, uh, if there ever was one piece of information you are allowed to study, let this session be it. This is the closest thing, the closest that humanity has ever gotten to being able to read minds. Not foolproof, but believe me, this will make your life easier, improve your relationships, and take so many things away from you that you have no interest in dealing with that, uh, you'll, uh, that you'll never stop thanking yourself for. Let me say that last piece again. It's not foolproof what I just read to y'all, but believe me, this will make your life easier, improve your relationships, and take away so many things from you that you have no interest in dealing with but you'll never stop thanking yourself for doing it. And uh, I'm going to declare this complete. Um, 
I am going to uh, leave the recording on till, uh, for another six minutes in case anybody has anything they want to talk about, ask, or whatever. Um, but, yeah, so I want to hear – I know I gave you guys so much information, I don't overloaded you probably. Um, and you will get the recap emailed uh, in a day or two. But uh, I want to hear what you guys heard, thinking, whatever, about this. Feedback. Yeah, this is Vita, and uh, yes. when you were talking about when you were talking about the aspirations, uh, yes. I have four kids, and I heard a different one from me to the baby for all of us. And um, actually, uh, I think that would probably help in how to deal with them because if you have a diff- different aspiration, then your reward system is different based on what's going on. And so um, I always marvel at how you can have so many different kids in the same household and have so many different personalities. But um, I'm glad you pointed that out because then, you know, I could deal with them in a different way because all of their aspirations are different. And, yes. um, yeah, you can find a way to speak to them, you know, uh based on how you know that they think. And I also understand the one when you talk about the monkey mind, I, I couldn't identify with any of them, except the ones about being vague. And um, mm. I am like that. And sometimes I do, I know that I'm doing it. I'm doing it on purpose. And uh, mm. <laughs> and so um, is it still a monkey mind if you're consciously doing it? Is it does it still count? Gotcha. Well, I suggest that you slow down life for the next couple of weeks to see how much of this you're going to be able to notice that you wasn't able to notice before now. Hmm. You know, you'll hear it in at work. You'll hear it in your kids. You know, you'll hear it on TV. You know, if you're listening for this stuff, you know, um, it'll help you tremendously because, like I said, people ain't going to spend a whole lot of time trying to understand you, but if you can understand them, Game over. So, thank you. All right, thank you, Vita. Anybody else? Who was next? Tony, this is Jamie. Remember yes. when we first started? I was talking about how I was hyper aware of communication this last week. Yes. And one of the things I think I I recognized was that monkey mind when I became aware of it. Mm. Like when I was becoming defensive or I was taking something personally, it yeah. was like it. I reacted and then I was aware of it afterward and went, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I think that this kind of gave me some perspective about that. Mm. Love it. Yeah. yeah so I'll, all there I'll, is pay, to, I'll pay attention this week. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna say. All there is to do is to uh look upward and you know, improve from there because, you know, you can't get any worse than you already are, otherwise you wouldn't you might not even be alive if you was. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> All there is up with this stuff, but you know, if you don't take advantage of it, then you can't complain about how conversations and communication sucks. And 
Yeah, great. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, man. Yeah, Leon, what you getting out of this, man? I'm calling names now. I know you're on mute. Sorry, I was on mute. (laughs) So (laughs) there has been so much going on in my life last week and this week. Um, And it's, it's... I, I see myself using some of these uh, parts of the conversation, like trying to get into someone else's world as to why they do the things that they do. And yes. um, like last week, I last year I, I invested into a, a company um, with a friend who 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 was my friend, and then mm-hmm. last week. Uh, this individual told me that he no longer wanted to do that type of work anymore and just wants to give it up. And it, it totally shocked me. Of course, the first instinct is what, what, what is going to happen with my investment. And, you know, that's all up in the air right now. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, then it's like, oh, my God, all, all this, you know, this... Uh, the crisis thinking, you know, calling my accountant every two minutes, uh, <laughs> talking to lawyers, trying yeah. to hire a different lawyer, you know, and, and all this other stuff in between. And it's like, oh, my God. You know, it's like my world was pretty peaceful at one time, you know, and now it's just like thrown into crisis mode. Yeah. Um, and that's, there was no move that I could really make. There was really a lot of things that I could not do. Yeah. Um, and it's just, uh, you know, so at the end, I, I, I tried to communicate with this individual and see what is going on in his world. And he kind of enlightened me to, to what was going on with him. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, you worked so hard for the last three years, and I just going to throw it all away. What is going on? And, you know, when he, he expressed it to me, I kind of felt like, really? You know, and at the same time, it was kind of like I was in disbelief. But yeah. if that's what he is going on with him, then I kind of have to accept it and, and, and go from there. But, yeah, I mean, this is – this – conversation kind of helped me to see what my future steps need to be when I do these type of uh, investments again. Yes. Um, and if, I'll be listening to this a few more times, but yeah, that was last week I, I, and, and last Sunday I totally missed the call and I didn't even realize that it was Sunday at 7 o'clock until like 11 o'clock at night. When I realized I missed the call. Wow. Gotcha. <laughs> that how, I know. That's how stressed out I, I was uh, last week. So. Wow. <laughs> gotcha. I gotcha. Not on your mind, man. Yeah. All right. So uh, I'm gonna stay on. I'm gonna stay on the call and you know discuss whatever. But I just want to say one one last thing, one last point before I uh, put this on. Uh, you know, in the recording, um, which is. 
that you don't have to remember all of these things. Like, I don't walk around saying, oh, this person has got horizontal vision. You know, I don't say that. What I do, though, is I give everybody permission to have lots of different viewpoints and open myself up to it so I can listen for how they're seeing life. Because in addition to somebody having all of these different viewpoints, you know, they may have two, three, or four even, um, they'd be using them in different times. So, you know, they could be one sentence will have them coming from, you know, in financial vision, protecting themselves. Another one is going to be about, you know, horizontal vision. How do I make a plan that's going to make this happen to, you know, whatever. So, you know, it's, it's not quite as much important to be able to remember which type of vision it is, even though if you study this and pay attention to this and listen to this recording again and again, you'll be able to recognize them. But what's important is, hey, there's lots of different ways of looking at this daggone thing. So let me hear where they're coming from and let me meet them where they are because they don't even know what we just got finished saying, what I just shared with you. They don't know. So um, give them permission to see things however they want to see them. Then also, because you can see that they're looking at things differently, rather than like, hey, what's wrong with you? What you could be saying is, listen, I see things differently from you, and then you can start to explain them how come you see things differently so that they can start meeting you there. You can start enticing, enrolling, inspiring them to want to at least try to meet you where you are. So, you know, giving yourself permission to – you know, to be different and giving them to be permission to be different from you will allow you to actually hear what's really going on without getting triggered. Does that communicate? Yeah. Great. So I'm going to end the call here, but I'm going to stay on the call until y'all get tired. So hold on a second. (laughs) (laughs) What? Oh, I know what just happened. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.